Sidebar interpretive dance through the <laughs> movie history of Charlize Theron. With me today, and as always, are my co-hosts, Bob Shields. Hello. And Robin Elaine Hitchcock. Hi. And I am Regina Connolly. And today we are reviewing the quote-unquote film, Hollywood <laughs> Confidential, not to be confused with the Academy Award-winning film, no quotes, LA Confidential. This is, we believe... To be a TV pilot for Fox? Maybe. So this is also from 1997, like LA Confidential. I bought one of two available copies on Amazon.com, so hurry and you could get the last one. <laughs> Possibly in existence. <laughs> we were trying to figure this movie out. So it says on IMDb that it's a TV movie. Yes. So, and based like on the entire lack of information that exists, and on the very the way it ends, like it's obviously ending with, and the stories will continue. But under the trivia on IMDb, uh, it says, "Be the first to add trivia for this title." <laughs> So there was pretty much no information anywhere about this. And I started to dig a little bit deeper during some of the boring parts. And well, on, hard to find those. <laughs> on almostperfect.com, an Edward James Almost fan site. That's almost perfect. Yes. Yeah. All, but yes, he is the star of this. Uh, it says that it is a pilot that wasn't picked up. And then on thrillingdetective.com, it says it was on Fox. So that's so, where we've cobbled all our information together. Yep, and they do <laughs> reference a, a variety of Fox TV shows. They talk about 90210 and Central Park West and Melrose Place. So that also, I think, lends some credence to that idea. Oh, that does make sense. So if you hoard old TV guides and you could look up what was happening in April of 1997 and tell us when Hollywood Confidential aired... You win a. We we basically went through the the dumpsters of this of the TV industry in order to find much like the characters in this movie. Yes. Do, uh, to try and cobble together the life of this pilot. We have I, no idea. Is the is the end? We don't know. <laughs> I'm so confused about the idea of a TV pilot coming out on a DVD. Like, just I think in my mind, there's like. 8 million TV pilots that never get aired. Uh, but so, most of them don't have Charlize Theron in them. True. Yeah. Or Although Edward she really, or Edward James, like, she's not on the cover of the DVD or she's anything. She's barely in it. Yeah. But Does she it, would, if this were a TV show, she would have been one of the main characters. Was the DVD released a long time after it was aired? Let me find out. <laughs> I also am curious, like, guys, imagine an alternate universe in which this m did get picked up, and instead of becoming Academy Award winning actress Charlize Theron, it was like, oh yeah, it's that blonde woman from Hollywood Confidential. It, this DVD was released in 2000. Oh, so not, yeah. not that much long later. So, but at that point, she was a star. Yes. Because so, of Devil's Advocate. 
And other things? Yeah, she was a star for many things by, by that point. Okay. Right, Cider House Rules came out in 99. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that was the ether that got to me. <laughs> I just am also curious because I feel like people, our listeners, hello, we love you, cherry pick which episodes they're going to listen to based on what they've already seen. And so I, I think one of two things is going to happen. Either no one will listen to this because no one has Colin heard of, will listen to of it. this movie, or a bunch of people are going to be like, Charlie Theron was in L.A. Confidential. <laughs> we'll be like, no. So what I was going to say is that we thought, oh, they probably titled this Hollywood Confidential as like a way to like piggyback on the success of L.A. Confidential. But as it turns out, the central agency, they're like a bunch of private detectives basically yeah. in Hollywood and they like dig up dirt on people in Hollywood for Hollywood reasons. But not to like blackmail people. Normally it's mostly like if a move, let's say a, a producer is going to hire someone and they're going to put, you know, their name on the line. They want to make sure that the person that they're hiring has like a clean background. They're like vetting them. Yeah, yeah. that's the word for And it. then they do some like fixer work. Like the main plot here is they're trying to pay off someone's mistress and like blah blah blah. But there's a, an 11 person payroll, which they keep saying <laughs> over and over again. Including two receptionists. Which I guess is large for a private investigation firm. I normally think of a P.I. as the P.I. and his quirky secretary. Yes. But that's entirely based... and his daughter. Yes, it's entirely based <laughs> on film. Because do private investigators exist in they real do. life? They I know, we do. contract one at work. Uh, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> but really, come on. I did find myself... I'm speaking of the Mars family, which I love to do. I did keep thinking about how perfect an episode of television, the pilot to Veronica Mars's. Yes. And how it so beautifully sets up the first season, which I think is a great season of TV, versus like this, I was like, what is happening? And when yeah. I found out, because I entered into this movie thinking it was a movie, and only halfway through I was like, oh, it's supposed to be a TV show. And then also I was like, how... How does that... I didn't know that that made it any better. It was very confusing as to what was going on a lot of the time. They spent... Because 11 people is a lot of characters for a TV show. That's too many characters. And they give a decent chunk of let's give them backstory and pathos to like six or seven mm-hmm. right. of the 11. Plus the clients. Right. It's, and there are two... There are three different client stories going on. There's the one in the past, I guess. Yeah. There's the teenage mistress of a Hollywood director... And then there is the acting coach woman, Dee right. yeah. Williams. Dee. Yeah. That never pays off. Never goes anywhere. No, yeah. it really yeah. doesn't. And then also they st- because at one point Charlize gets beat up oh, by guys. people yeah, in Bill and force. Hill masks. Yeah. Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. And they're like, it's because of the economy. And then they beat her up. They, by- s- they say, it's the economy, stupid. Oh. James Carville quote. Oh, yeah. And punch her in the face. And in the stomach. Yes. And break her ribs. Yeah. And facial contusions. Yes. Which are poorly... Poorly applied makeup. But, guys, at the very end when she's covering up her black eye with some amazing black sunglasses. She has two pairs of amazing sunglasses in this film. There's the sunglasses for the weird helicopter pad luncheon between the female (laughs) staff of the agency, which this is going back to this thing we got so sidetracked. When they answer the phones at the agency, they answer them. L.A. Confidential. Which must be the name of the agency. Yes, and it is clear that they had to, like, scrub that because it was like, (laughs) oops, there's an Academy Award winning film coming out right now with the same name. Maybe they thought they could beat it to the post. So they're like, oh, we know this book is getting adapted. Let's make a movie of the same name. 
Uh, and then they were like, nope, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> Hollywood confidential. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, so Edward James Almost is the boss of the PI firm, and he has a beautiful pockmarked face. Yep. And he takes his glasses off better than almost anyone yes. on film. And he, every time he gets behind the wheel of a car, he has a flashback to his dark past. <laughs> and you can tell it's a flashback because it immediately goes into black and white. And, and you can tell he's younger because he has a ponytail in it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, some of the camera work on this is so confusing. I'm just jumping right into what I think is the zenith of the whole episode because I can't not talk about it. At some point, we're reading the diary of the young mistress and for no reason that we can understand, she's in a long flowing white dress twirling on the beach while men in suits are like lined up and in, oh, what's that like old like camera effect where... It's like solarized. Yes. Yes. This this movie, through that sequence, runs through all of the effects built into old digital cameras. Yes! Yes! <laughs> and they're, like, standing in a line against the horizon, and then they're in a circle around her, and we're like, is this a metaphor for what's happening? Is this actually happening? Is she dreaming? And you never find out. Just uh, They're just, they move along from there. And it shot- reminded me of all of the scene breaks on Angel, the TV series, Ooh. the spinoff from oh, Buffy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like very, it's very 90s and like LA is dark and gritty. <laughs> right, but there was no demon having a vision about this. That's <laughs> true. It's just someone uh, abstract having a thought or memory. Yeah. With no explanation and just randomly cycles through solarized effect, negative effect, pixelated effect, and black and white. Also, I'll be mean. That girl was supposed to be a dancer. She couldn't dance for shit in that sequence. I was like... She was supposed to be a dancer? She was a tap dancer. She came to LA with the tap shoes. And I was like, "Uh, it's the 90s. Also, that girl's not 17. Nope. She's not 17. (laughs) Oh, Michael Mann. Okay. I think that that is also... I think that Angel's aesthetic was influenced by Michael Mann and the film director. And then also who was like the showrunner-ish, I guess, for Miami Vice. Mm -hmm. Which is relevant because the creator of Miami Vice, who apparently in my minimal internet research I was able to find out, quit during the first season. Anthony Yurkovich is the writer and other than Edward James almost star Mm. of this in quotation marks movie. Yes. (laughs) It is his only acting credit ever. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. I mean... He's not as bad as if somebody had told me, yeah, a writer wrote his own role in a pilot and then he never acted again. I would have expected it to be worse. And it's not as bad as Seth MacFarlane, who just keeps doing it over and over again. Exactly. It reminded me, honestly, because he's writing about his job as part of the storyline. It reminded me of the classic Charlize film. Two Days in the Valley, which was appropriate because one of the other actors in this movie is Danny Aiello's son. Yes. Yep. So. This is a lot like, I mean, it's part of that weird 90s neo-noir genre. Yeah, and L.A. Yeah. noir specifically. Yeah. yeah. I do like how, like, noir and crime fiction have, like, regionalisms. Like, Florida noir is very different than L.A. noir. Is yeah. very different than New York. I've never heard of Florida noir. Oh, it's a thing. It's a th- <laughs> We're not a podcast about crime fiction, and I don't pretend to know enough to... But thrillingdetective.com may be, and they're the ones who say this may be aired on Fox. Because we are marketing so many other sites. We hope you enjoy the internet. <laughs> Almost perfect. Honestly, that's the best fan site name ever. It didn't... It took me until you said it on the podcast for me to understand. I thought they were just like... Like, 
we love him so much, but we're like the Amish. Oh, the only thing perfect is God, so we can't say that he's perfect. <laughs> so it's almost perfect. But once you explained what actually happened, I was like, that's probably better. Yeah. <laughs> so, after all that, do we have one certain review? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I, I, okay, I guess I'll do it and then I'll explain it. Okay. okay what's the explanation i just enjoyed this so much because it's such a time capsule into the late 90s and i can just like i can really easily imagine watching this with my dad when Mm. i was in i guess i would have been in junior high (laughs) and like just like really enjoying it and being like yeah they're gritty and real (laughs) and so like my inner 13 year old was like yeah (laughs) i enjoyed it very much as like it's terrible it's no good and it's and this is not this is not like how i loved head in the clouds like Mm. it's not even at that level it's like it's so bad, and yet I enjoyed it so much, and I kept thinking, like, I'm so glad that we do this podcast so that I'm able to experience <laughs> these 90 minutes of my life. <laughs> Wait, is this to you what Trapped was to Bob Shields? Like, because it captures a feeling of a certain era in your life, you're like, well, I just have to enjoy this. Maybe? Possibly, yeah. Maybe. All right, so your one sound reviews. Mine's probably just going to be, uh, 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 uh. Mine's going to be... Because the sound effects in this show were all over the map, similarly to how they cycled through all the visual effects of an old digital camera. Someone with a synthesizer was like, have we tried this sound? Have we considered this style of sound effect? There are so many weird moments auditorily in this. It's wild. It's it's a ride. This is a thing that makes me think, like... The aesthetic of this and, like, the technology and everything that's in it is very similar to Die Hard, which was around about ten years previous. So it it makes me think that, like, in that time period, there was basically no technological development. Everything basically <laughs> stayed the same. And how, in the future, looking back on movies from today, it's going to be very easy to pinpoint the exact time and year that things take place in because of how frequently technology changes. Whereas in this, everyone has flip phones, all TVs are as deep as they are wide, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it has a very kind of, very specific aesthetic that that kind mm-hmm. of... There uh, were car phones in this, pagers. Yeah, remember... Oh, the pagers. Remember when car phones had the buttons on the other side of them, so they faced out? Yes! Yeah. <laughs> My favorite technological moment of this quote-unquote movie was Charlize was undercover as a waitress at a strip club and she was trying to figure out like who was stealing money so they presumably been hired by the owner was it even a strip club though it uh, was more like a go-go bar okay right? yeah. whatever I she, don't know it was also for tv so yes, they yes, may not have included enough. stripping there were a lot of I, I was gonna say I was surprised at the amount of butt we did see yeah but so she basically had figured out that it was the bartender But she's like, I'm going to go back one more night because I want to see how he's outwitting the computer, is what she says. And so I was like, oh, like there's some type of like security system or like something that she's doing. And then it literally shows him with a very basic till or register, like what I used in middle school at my first job. (laughs) And he just puts in like a $1 charge and keeps hundreds of dollars in his pocket. So it's very simple how he's doing it. (laughs) It's not some sophisticated machine. Like it still like prints out on like, you know. 
those big round reels of paper. It was <laughs> ridiculous. And they do like a close-up of her face being like, I'm figuring this out. And it's like, no, it's just a button that says $1. It's not that deep. And I will say, I think that's my Charlie Zenith is her being like, how does this computer work? Because she's not in this very much. There's not a lot to choose from. And I thought that moment was, you know. Yeah. He outwits the computer by putting the money in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> My Charlie Zenith is during the aforementioned ladies' lunch oh, on the bad. helicopter pad. So it's the, the five female employees of LA Confidential, and they, like, take out, like, deck chairs, and they're eating Thai food. They stripped down to their bras. Yes. And she has the cutest... 90s sunglasses. Yeah, she has the Lolita sunglasses. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I thought of those sunglasses as Alicia Silverstone in the Aerosmith videos. Okay, I, to me, <laughs> I was like straight out of Adelia's catalog. Oh, that's Like, too. I 100% would have like put a little check mark next to those yeah. and then never purchased them. I 100% think Buffy <laughs> wore those. Yes. For sure. So, amazing sunglasses and just the the girls having like real talk about the boys <laughs> and I just, I enjoyed that so much. And that was, I think, one of the most, like, TV pilot kind of scenes for me. Mm-hmm. It's, like, where they're trying to, like, establish the complex relationships between this rather large ensemble cast. And I think if it had been made a TV show and I was 13 when I was watching it, that would be the part I was most interested in. Yeah. Yes. Because, like, it is a little bit surprising that they had, like, five women detectives in it and that they well, were a very three women detectives statuses. and then two secretaries that's true okay. one of whom is Giovanni Rabisi's twin sister married to Beck <laughs> does she do any other acting besides this probably I don't know I got really sidetracked by the whole Giovanni Rabisi's there, twin sister married to Beck thing her name's Marissa Rabisi there are a lot of people to look into in this because like yeah. actors you kind of recognize show up Thomas Jane pre-fame shows up pre-fame and pre-getting pre-ear- his ears pinned <laughs> unless they did the opposite and made him look extra goofy for this role I'm Here's pretty Obama. sure he got his ears pinned <laughs> But this is, uh, he, he's the nerdy computer hacker guy, far, a far cry from what he plays today. Yes, 100%. What does he play today? Today he plays, like, down-to-earth, no-nonsense, tough guys. What do I know him from? I don't know what you know him from. He was in, Do I just I know think... him because he looks like the guy from Hackers? Johnny Lee Miller? He is meant to look like Johnny Lee Miller in this. They yes. bleached his hair. Okay. He was in, I think, the, f- not the first, that would be Dolph Lundgren, but the... A Punisher movie. Oh, yeah, he was in the first modern Punisher movie. Yeah. And he was... Have you ever seen The Mist? No. Yeah, he was in that. I think he also had his own TV show at some point. Okay. Yeah. I but I might be him. confusing him with whoever is The Mentalist. I know he's oh, not yeah. The Mentalist. There's, there's a few... There's like three actors who all look the same. Yes. Thomas Jane is one of them. Well, a thing that we did throughout watching this, which is one the of The Mentalist, my- by the way, is in LA Confidential. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, while we were watching this, one of my favorite things to do is to figure out who people are the poor man's version of. Yes. And we did that for almost everyone in this show. Yes. Yes. Fun game. If you guys can get your hands on that one final copy, <laughs> yes. please let us know who your decisions are. <laughs> I don't want to spoil you and predispose you to pick certain people. <laughs> yeah, so this is Charlie's back to look... I didn't do my Zenith, uh, but Charlie's is looking very much like Alicia Cuthbert, like early 24 style Alicia Cuthbert in this. I think my Zen is probably the same as yours, Robin, the helipad scene yeah. uh, where she's lying on her front and eating cake uh, while wearing uh, crystal frame sunglasses. 
Um, I also like when she shows up at the very end in her leather jacket yeah. and her aviator sunglasses. She she got Sarah Connard. She she, is, she was yeah. so many good sunglasses. <laughs> I did like this. Uh, it did a good job of like establishing the tropes that were going to show up in the future yeah. hypothetical TV show. Like so, the the brunch on the helipad was definitely one of them. Uh, what's his face, writer and creator of Miami Vice, definitely going to fuck his screenwriting teacher. Oh, I thought uh, he was oh, after Charlize. he's after Charlize. He came and tried to make oh, her triangle. homemade soup. That's going to be the love triangle. Oh, that's true, yeah. But yeah, so there was that whole thing with his class. Uh, is he going to work up the courage to read his diary to the Right, class? because he's like dictating like hard-boiled fiction based on his own life. And then the secretary is taking the dictation. Yeah. She's transcribing. I would be, as a secretary, can I say how much I would be... I would be so mad if my boss was like, here, help me write my legal fiction. He uh, offered to pay her extra for that, though. So it was oh, outside of the job. He good. was like, oh, like, hey, Twinkle Toes, I've got something extra for it. Like, I basically, he was like, this is not work-related, but if you would do me this solid, I will good. compensate you appropriately. <laughs> this, I feel like, barely passed the, is Charlize in this? She's in it. She's, She's in, in it. She's in yeah. it. But, no, I mean, I think because many of the characters are only in it briefly, yeah. it didn't feel that dramatic. Guys, if you're writing a TV pilot, you don't need 12 characters. Can I say, though, I do think that there was more screen time devoted to Edward James almost driving and taking <laughs> his glasses off than Charlie's acting. Fair enough. Yeah. He, like, there was a scene where he literally took his glasses off three times, and I didn't know how that was possible, but he did it. Yeah, and also this was pre-long uh, arc television as well, so yeah. this was episodes so that they have to have enough characters so that some of them can go on vacation and the show can keep filming, mm. so that kind of thing, like just pure episodic, where some people just aren't in it occasionally. Yeah, I guess like how many characters were there on ER? Duh. Probably right. roughly this amount. Right. Yeah. And then there'd be a series of episodes where nothing happens with Carol. Right. Right. Okay. So, would this yes. quote-unquote movie <laughs> have been improved by a prison riot? A hundred percent yes. I feel like this is one of the strongest yeses that yep. we've ever had. Oh, yeah. Because, so in the flashbacks, Detective Navarro. Yeah. Is he a detective or not anymore? He was. No, he's basically former he, detective. He's remembering a time where he arrested a domestic abuser and then the DEA was like, but he's going to give us the top supplier of heroin in all of California, so we're going to release him. We're going to wipe him. who involves the Miami Vice creator guy. Correct. Uh, and this is why they work together now. And so they uh, drop the charges on him so that they can roll up on a bigger criminal. And then he goes home and kills himself and his wife. And, and so, his children. A, uh, at least one of his children. Yeah. The, the you other see one, a small dead body. Well, you know that the other one is the detective. Do they finally establish that? I thought they did. Okay. Maybe they did. I thought they were saving that for sweeps. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Whatever. So the prison riot, I would have loved to have seen while, like, while that guy was in prison while they were working out this deal. Throw, throw a riot in right there. Right. It'd be great. And when it's black and white shaky cam and the only thing in color is blood, it would have looked amazing. Yeah. It would have been very Sin City. <laughs> So can I say, I, I the, the, we explained two of the mechanics of the flashbacks up front, where it's A, in black and white, B, he's younger because he has a ponytail, but also one of the things that happens during the flashbacks is Edward James almost loses all awareness of present time. So, <laughs> and he's always... He's always driving. So he's, Almost always driving. When he comes back to, like, he comes back to the present after his flashback, he suddenly realizes he's about to crash his car. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to kill this mailbox! Yeah. <laughs> I also want to say about prison riots. I watched the movie Logan Lucky this week, which mm -hmm. I was disappointed in generally. 
but there is a prison riot in it. And during that scene, I was like, <laughs> this is improving this movie. <laughs> so, yes, it is true. I think you texted me during that and we realized that so far the only prison riot that we have in the Charlize canon is the Fate of the Furious. Right, which is when this feature started. Right, but I am just imagining if we are so lucky to see another movie of hers that includes one, that we are going to lose our fucking minds. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to just stop everything and be like, ah! <laughs> if only it could have been this one. Yeah. Nope. Should have been. <laughs> yeah. Who would Keanu play? Oh gosh. I... Okay, so again, this is one of those things where I'm like, I don't want Keanu to have been in a failed 1997 TV pilot. It didn't hurt Charlize any. Uh, but he, yeah, but he was already he was he already was, a star, right? Yeah, he was in Speed. Yeah. Uh, so, but I guess I just have to like detach it from the yeah. career implications. Yes. And then I'd have him play the secondary main character, the Miami Vice creator. Jack, yeah. I think his name is. It yeah. seems kind of obvious that he should be replaced. Yes. Uh, also, just imagine Keanu's sweet voice narrating, when you look out on the city, is it like a machine? A or... captivating infinite machine. Yes, sorry, how could I forget? <laughs> it's like Christmas in July or a captivating infinite machine. <laughs> Guys, he's only been to writing class once, so let's give him And he was time. an hour and 40 minutes late to a two-hour class, <laughs> but then he recognized the professor's quotation, and therefore they're going to bone. Yeah, he therefore proved he didn't need the previous hour and 40 40 minutes because yeah. he already knew and then there was really awkward poetry over the finale montage oh my god they read hold on what is it's it's the keats poem uh the ever it starts with the ever widening gyre i'm trying to remember what it's called it's the slouching towards bethlehem quote there's a lot of famous pull quotes from that poem that are the titles <laughs> of things yeah slouching towards bethlehem things fall apart <laughs> yes um what is the name of that damn poem so it's yates Yates. It's Yates, and it's called The Second Coming. The Second Coming. Okay, so let's cut out all the part where I'm bad at knowing literary history. Okay, so so Yates, The Second Coming. Let's do this again. Okay, Okay. so then there's the really awkward part at the end of his literary class where they start doing poetry over the final montage. Yes, and we did not at all have to look up. We immediately knew that it was Yates's The Second Coming. And just imagine... Did not confuse Yates and Keats. No one would ever do that. (laughs) No one could possibly do that. But I just imagine Yates, because I always think of them first when I hear their poetry, never confuse them with anyone else. But the, they never... Because you showed up in time for class. Absolutely. But then never in a million years did they think, you know what? The phrase slouching towards Bethlehem is going to be a backdrop. <laughs> for a quote-unquote movie. <laughs> for a quote-unquote movie uh, that ends with a red shoe being sniffed by a coyote by the Hollywood <laughs> sign. Like, that's what Yates is like, this is what this... Poem about the end of the... Right, the final shot is a coyote sniffing a red high heel, and then they pan over, and it's the back side of the Hollywood sign, and then... Two legs. Uh, two legs from uh, a dead body. A de- dead white lady legs. Yes. The, you know, everyone's favorite for noir. <laughs> <laughs> no and then TV it's show like, can really get going without that. Right, created by Anthony Yurkovich. Right? So <laughs> that that's the quote-unquote movie that we just watched. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think, going back, because I think we diverged a little bit in this ever-widening gyre. Uh, <laughs> I think we're all in agreement as to who Keanu should play. Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, there's really, it's one of those things where it's just too obvious. It, yeah, I mean, out of the 11 characters in this, you could really only play one of them. Because they are actually, to its credit, all different characters. I guess yeah. the only other person that he could play, or the only other two people I think he could play, would be Bliss. Which, A, terrible name for a jackass lawyer who defends his A-list clients. I think um, that Bliss's client, the guy who's getting the award, who's the that's one who knocked up one. the teenager. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he could have arguably played either of them, but I don't want to see him do that no. because they were reprehensible and boring. Also, they had weird 90s futuristic video Skype in this. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, that was so weird. It's like, uh, put him on line one, and then his TV shows him, and they have a little camera above the he TV. He has like a ceiling-mounted television. Yes, but here's the thing. The video call that they had was better than Skype is 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not real. It's just them playing a video. Right. It was just like flawless, real-time transmission of unless, a video unless call. Unless they had like... Uh, An actual no, closed-circuit television. Exactly. Like studio-quality broadcast lines going into their uh, offices well, for they, that purpose. They did have that big-eared guy working for them, so he may have been able to talk something together. You also could have been replaced by Keanu, like young... Era appropriate piano. Yeah. So one thing I was going to say, Thomas Jane's character. I'm sorry. No, that's wrong. Uh, of the eleven people on the payroll, there's the one racist guy who's the poor man's Jason Statham. The, the and then the Danny destitute I- Jason Statham. Right. Yeah. And then Danny Aiello's kid. Yes. So those the- could have easily been merged into one character. Right. They, yeah. They did were not pretty, need to be separate. I think. So I think the slim characterization difference is that Danny Aiello's son was the hitting-on-women Italian sleazebag. Right. And that he was an equal-opportunity racist. And they let us know that because it was like, well, he got kicked out of precincts in all these different cities for uh, assaulting a person of a different ethnicity. Yes. And Um, they really went, they, like, dug deep to, like, what ethnicities can we use that aren't too hot button? He he, he assaulted a Samoan. He pistol-whipped an Eskimo. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He went after the First Nations. Yeah, that they, those characters were very mergeable. And then there was also Richard T. Jones's character, the one black guy who we all kept going, which TV show do we know him from? Oh, and the yeah. answer, the answer was is all of them. TV shows. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the other black guy with the hat. The trash picker. Yes, yes. they're garbageologists. They're garbageologists. Yes. Gar- yes. Gar- yeah, garbologists? Yes. Garbologists. And oh, wait. He was given no backstory. <laughs> yeah. Is garbageologist and garbologist the new biopic? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all universally on garbologists, no question here. Garbageologists forever. <laughs> no! Take your gifs and get out. <laughs> Guys, this dumb movie was so fun. Exactly. That's where my one sad review comes from. Like, I'm so happy we watched this stupid, stupid quote movie. Dun dun dun! <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Also, I loved more than I expected to love commercial break moments like yes there was a shot and i think it's again like a i think like current day tv like sort of softens that edge yeah in a way that shows in the 90s we're like fuck it we all know it's coming dun, dun. but it was there was like a mo- i forget what it was but there was a moment where it, we just all knew and it was just like yeah. oh yeah it was a revelation about i think it was when we learned that the pregnant girl was 17 uh, and yeah. then you see edward james almost's face react yeah, and I'm then sure glasses the camera. Camera. yes <laughs> like he literally was like my emotions Cut to black. (laughs) Let's hear from Geico, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) It's so dumb, and no one, 
like, no one else is watching this. No one else has seen this. Like, you know, a lot of times, like, when you're doing something in the world, you're like, I'm sure other people on this earth are doing the same thing at the same time. Right. Like, when I'm watching, uh, you know, a Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, I'm like, well, yeah, someone else on the earth is doing this. <laughs> no one else anywhere this evening is watching Hollywood Confidential. Except for almostperfect.com. <laughs> so, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that Edward James Almost and Charlize have never seen this. <laughs> Seriously, I, at one point I was thinking about how, like, if I became an entertainment journalist and I was able to interview any of these actors, I'd be like, so first question, what the hell is Hollywood Confidential? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, when people get drunk and buy something on Amazon that they forget that they bought and then it shows up? I feel like if you ask them that question, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I did do that. <laughs> because I'm sure it didn't take that long for that. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sure, like, Charlie shot this in, like, I don't know, two weeks. And right. Like, I'm good. Right, yeah. I'm going to go get my hair blonde again. But it must again. have been one of the first things that she did, though. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe she was she was moonlight. She was doing two days in the valley and yeah. moonlighting on Hollywood Confidential. It's possible. She may have had a second job. Who can say? Right. She maybe was waitressing at a go-go bar. Mm, Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked her go-go bar short trench. Oh my god. Remember her, short trenches? Her metallic <laughs> silver jacket. That's what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. I also liked the receptionist's mid like cut off mm-hmm. puffer jacket. Yes! Oh yeah. Yeah. That was great. God, that, was, that was down insulated from the armpits up. <laughs> Are we going to even rank it because it's technically a TV show? I don't know. Let's okay. do it. Can we cut out all the discussion about ranking yes. it? <laughs> no, let's just say real briefly, we did discuss whether or not this should be ranked because it is only in quotation marks a movie and we didn't rank the episodes of television that Charlize did, but we all decided, let's rank it. Let's Damn. do it. Fuck it. Yeah. Okay. So for me, I am going to rank this just slightly below... That Thing You Do and Above Trial and Error. And I will say, as the person who liked That Thing You Do the least, this almost pipped it. But I'm like, be realistic, Regina. This was terrible comparatively. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mine is uh, going to sort of languish in my nebulous midsection of my list. It is going actually just below The Burning Plane, which is one below Eon Flux. And I feel like this and Eon Flux are sort of on a level. Like, Eon Flux is just slightly on the... It's a movie rather than a TV show. <laughs> it also felt like a pilot episode. Uh, and it's also just... A, uh, Hollywood Confidential is just above The Last Face because fuck that movie. The worst ever. This is uh, much more fun to watch. So I immediately zeroed in on where did I put Two Days in the Valley, our other LA oh, yeah. neo-noir, and this is better. What? So <laughs> I am, I am going to put this uh, one above Two Days in the Valley just below Dark Places, and I actually thought for a second, I think maybe I like this more than Dark Places, but then I rewinded, and I was like, Robin, you're in the heat of the moment, get yourself together. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, I'm putting this in between Dark Places and Two Days in the Valley, which is roughly the middle for me, and that is admittedly so inflated. I I just enjoyed this so much more than it deserved, so... (laughs) I also, like, in looking at my list now, because I think in doing it, I was just like, oh, I'm just going to pick the thing that, that it's closest to. And it reminds me of yeah. these two movies. But I'm like, I definitely have this ranked higher than Dark Places, which I think I enjoyed more. But you know what? These lists are going to have, they're emotionally swayed. Yeah, so, oh, absolutely. But I usually rank based on how much Charlize is in it. 
Uh, when it suits you, you do. <laughs> no, I'm usually pretty good about that. And I, I'm immediately changing my ranking, because I have to be honest, I would watch Dark Places again above this. So this is now going between Dark Places and Trapped for me. Okay. That is Quick very reversal. appropriate. Tune in next week. I maybe change my mind. <laughs> so speaking of next week. Oh my god, guys. Guys, we have such a special episode coming up for you next week. It's... We're all dying. Yeah. We're so excited. Long time coming. Long time coming. We'll keep it a surprise for next week, but we will tell you what the movie is. So yes. You want to watch along for a very delightful surprise. Uh, we'll be watching Reindeer Games for our holiday episode, and then we were going to finish the rest of the year by not doing this. That's we'll right. We'll see you again in 2019. Yes. No, 18. what? 2018. Okay, so at work, everything is 2018 because we have a split season, so I already think that I'm in 2018. Apologies. Okay, yes. I was like, we can't take that long a break. Yeah, so watch Reindeer Games because we have such a great episode coming up for you with Reindeer Games with really exciting guests. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode for a movie that none of you have seen. <laughs> also, and none of you can get. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you to Alex Reed for our theme song. Thank you to Amazon.com for providing us the only possible method of watching this movie. I know. <laughs> I, it's a thrill. <laughs> and most of all, thank, thank you, you, Charlies. center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. Hey, Bliss! This is the guy I was telling you about. This is the man who saved your A-list bacon. Thanks to you, it was one hell of a night. Thanks to the three of us, Heather Norland can say the same. In fact, I have a message from her for you. best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. Second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of Spiritus Mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in the sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man. A gaze blank and pitiless as the sun is moving its slow thighs, while all about it real shadows of the indignant desert birds. Darkness drops again, but now I know. 
The 20 centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Dun-dun!